Sometimes we lose weight, then gain it back, lose it again, gain it back again. This yo-yo effect is a pain in the butt. And it's a real lifelong battle for many people. In this episode, Dr. Cashy explains how to stay fit even if you've been caught up in this whole yo-yo diet stuff before. If you're stuck in a cycle of self-sabotage that keeps you from reaching your goals, the good doctor has advice to help you think of your fitness as permanent. Roll the intro! Welcome to a very special post-apocalyptic episode of Coffee with Cashy. Today is a super fabulous episode because I'm, I'm going to address a, a fun question that I was motivated to give maybe kind of a triggering answer to. Is that the word, people? So the question that I ended up getting was essentially, why do I keep gaining and losing the same 30 pounds? And I have an answer that might be triggering to a lot of people, and that's okay. It's kind of a taboo perspective because it redirects responsibility a little bit. However, instead of just pointing fingers, I'm going to try and give a little bit of perspective to help rearrange your thought patterns, which is actually what I'm going to be discussing. <clears throat> so the whole point of this is that if you've lost a bunch of weight before and gained it back and lost it again, then I already have something that I can sink my teeth into in terms of, well, you already know what to do. <laughs> and so now the next the next thing that, that needs to be addressed is, okay, you can put your foot on the gas, but why are you putting your foot on the brakes at the same time? And it's it's possible to expect some long drawn out explanation of why of like why you would need a strong why or some crap. That's something that I try and avoid at all costs. Sometimes I use that language to try and like have common language with people, but otherwise it's something that I actually think is silly a lot of times. And I'll tell you the real reason why the yo-yo, the so-called yo-yo cycle happens to a person in a position that maybe has lost a bunch of weight before and gained it back and lost it again. And it's two words. And those two words are self-sabotage. <laughs> so you already know the behaviors and rules you need to emulate to lose weight. You've done it before. Therefore, you can do it again. But here's the kicker. Here is the kicker. You give yourself permission to break the rules you've made for yourself. You give yourself the option to fall short of the criteria you set for yourself. See, this is all about permission. And in your brain, you've made this transition into these new behaviors a temporary thing. A temporary thing. A lot of people, like, if, a, if an awesome before and after picture is posted, a lot of questions you may see are, well, how long did that take? And I'm thinking in my head, like, well, what the hell does that matter? It took. <laughs> if you got to where you wanted to be, does it matter if it took two years or two months? I can guarantee that both of those people would be happy. And so if the first thing that comes to your mind is length of time, well, then you're already in a temporary mindset in terms of, okay, when I change these behaviors, when do I get to change them back? As in like you're, you're looking for the time where you don't have to diet anymore, whatever that means. And thinking of weight loss in terms of going on a diet, like I said, already plants the seeds of, of temporary changes. Because if you're going on a diet, that means you eventually go off a diet and then you're left where you started, which is what ends up happening to people. And it makes me sad, okay? Because when you think in that temporary mindset, like I said, the next step is to sit, sit back and ask, are we there yet? which is the same thing as asking, when is this over? 
<laughs> right? So big swings in weight up and down happening many times, taking less than like 10 years per cycle, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking that it creeps up on you, but it is the result of conscious decisions. And that is good because that means it's in your power to change it. I will say, however, that like 1% of your body weight per year, I actually think is within the realm of so-called homeostatic regulation. Like that amount of creep, I actually think is acceptable because within the realm of like biological systems and accuracy, that's damn good. Within 1% is pretty impressive. But like 1% of your body weight per month, that's purposeful overeating. And that might like eh, make some people kind of funkified, right? So if one and a half pounds a year after 20 years is 30 pounds. Like, okay, that ends up making sense in the realm of biological systems. But one and a half pounds per month over two years. Okay, now that's now that's a form of like lifestyle decisions and decision-making processes that can be audited. And again, it may be insulting to hear, but the reality is that this is what gives you the power to end up changing it. It's confusing to assign responsibility to anything or anyone other than you. One, you can say because you're the one deciding what goes into your body. But on the other hand, putting the responsibility on someone or something else actually robs you of the power to change it. If it's somebody else's or something else's responsibility, well, then all you can do is sit there and let things happen to you. And if that's the way you live, well, then you're kind of like, man, that's just like a life of, I think, heartache and frustration. <laughs> and so the biggest issue here, aside from that, is that psychology is binary. Black and white, up and down, on or off, right? Is this good or bad for you? Is this healthy or unhealthy? Everything is spoken of as a binary. And biology works a little bit different. <laughs> biology works on a continuum. Works on a continuum. If you think you're on a plan eight out of 10 times, well, then it's easy to think you deserve eight out of 10 results or whatever. The 80-20 rule is complete BS. <laughs> uh, it, it breeds entitlement. Because what happens is the psychology side of us says, that's unfair, I work so hard, I was on plan for nine out of 10 days, screw this plan, it doesn't work, Dr. Cash is a big fat dumb meanie head. When the reality is that your body has way fancier machinery than that, and the binary nature of our psychology is just to streamline our decision-making processes so that we can save ourselves some mental energy, but it ends up causing us some biological grief, which we all kind of know. Your body has fancier machinery than you think, and if you are off plan or on plan, both of those things are kind of meaningless because your body knows how much you are off plan and for how long. It has exact measurements of that and it stores that information. <laughs> it stores that information right on your waist and butt and thighs and anywhere else you don't like, okay? So guess your body is very good at recording this data. And it's very important to know that this is a numbers game. And a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's okay. Because even if you don't believe in calories, they believe in you. And at the same time, if this is a numbers game and you don't play, then it plays you. That being said, when it comes to sticking with plans and taking measurements and having numbers and all those things, I will say that most people are not liars. But, and a big but at that, they are forgetters. And it also happens that people forget self-incriminating things all the time. 
And that self-incriminating behavior comes in the form of these micro-conversations we have with ourselves. And during these micro-conversations, we are giving ourselves permission to do something that we know hurts us later. And you do it anyway. This is the essence of self-sabotage. The, it looks like I've been good all week, time to have a good time. Self-sabotage looks like life is unfair and inconvenient, I'll medicate it. Food makes this better. Self-sabotage looks like I've made good progress. I deserve this treat. Self-sabotage looks like I'm stressed out. Food and drink is the best thing to calm me down. Self-sabotage looks like my friends and family are in town. I need to show them a good time. Self-sabotage looks like I need to finish my plate or this food will go to waste. Self-sabotage looks like, well, I screwed up my plan. I'll start again tomorrow. And these micro conversations you have with yourself give you the opportunity to do a couple of things. One, they give you permission to act silly while also lamenting life's unfairness, right? Because in your mind, you can make new rules, follow those new rules, and then change the rules back to the previous rules after it's been done and then regret that decision. It happens all the time every day, okay? And the other thing that can happen is that you can strengthen your cognitive consistency muscles. This is where people grant themselves permission to behave in a way that perpetuates their problems. And now there's a fork in the road and you can address it. Okay. Identifying and addressing these sabotaging thoughts, it positions you to inject logic where other people are essentially acting by feel, which is kind of another way of saying you're a slave to your impulses. Right. So I, I hope this makes sense. And I'd like to wrap this up by quoting or, and or paraphrasing Viktor Frankl. He's a, an existential philosopher of sorts. Maybe some people have heard of him. He's also a medical doctor. <laughs> and he has often quoted uh, this very awesome quote, which sounds stupid when I say it that way, but that's what it is, uh, that I keep close to me. And he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is the power to choose a response parentheticals to that stimulus. And in that response lies our growth and our freedom. So how much of this is about your why? Like zero. <laughs> how much of this is about motivation? Zero. You've already exhibited that you have the knowledge and the tools and that you can execute. Okay. This is about doing the things that you need to do to succeed even when you think and feel life is unfair, even when everything feels annoying and difficult, even if you feel like doing something else. Why? Because even though you know you feel one way, even though you know you feel one way, you know in your bones you must act another. And like I said, to go by feel is to kind of like being a slave to your emotions a little bit. And that is something that I think is ubiquitously recognized as leading people down some odd paths. And honestly, this is what this is what TKN is about. It's about finding that space between stimulus and response, making that space as big as possible through self-awareness. And this way you are put in a position to make the right decisions for you. So that is my rant for now. I hope you guys got some value out of that. I'm going to look through the chat. Kabir, the self-sabotage champion, reigning champ, 
the heavyweight champ. Actually, that sounds kind of triggering too. The reigning heavyweight champ is self-sabotage, Kabir. <laughs> uh, Rich, talking about giving yourself permission to break the rules. Still working on this. It's a lifetime pursuit. It really is. It really is. This is why self-awareness is so important. You already know what to do. And so identifying, again, the stimulus that causes you to give yourself permission and then expanding the space you have to make a logical decision is really what it's all about to me. It's about, it's about closing the gap between intention and intervention. So this concludes today's very special episode of Post-Apocalyptic Coffee with Kashida. I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. Hit me up if y'all need anything else. I'll be back very soon. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>